Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I am your host, Chris Swick, and on this podcast, we talk about addictions, alcoholism, mental health, ADHD, and really anything anyone's afraid to talk about, we talk about it on the show. I believe everyone's story is valuable at the end of the day. It does not matter what walk of life you come from. You're all welcome on my platform to share your story. That's what we're all here to do is share our stories and help one another. You can follow me over on Instagram at Depths of Dark Side. Hit me up over on LinkedIn as Chris Swick. Hit me up on my YouTube channel from the depths of darkness to the light of success. And you can find the podcast under the same name on across all audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you listen to your podcast, I am there. But with no further ado, from the San Antonio area of Texas, originally hailing from the UK, I got Dr. Rob Kelly on the show today. You want to take it away and let them know a little bit about you, Rob, and what you're all about? Thanks, Chris. Hey, good morning, guys. Or good afternoon, wherever you are today. Great to be here, Chris. Thank you for allowing me on. Yeah, my name is Dr. Rob Kelly. They call me the addiction doctor. I specialize in addiction, childhood trauma, or we do. And we study neuroscience. It is what a neuroscience side. We believe that everybody can recover. It's a natural fact. We're the only company in the world to offer you a money-back guarantee if you relapse when you finish up. So we're really serious, guys. We look at family uh, of origin. We look at the family dynamics. We look at the patient. We'll not take a patient on unless uh, anybody over the age of 18 joins that uh, alcoholic or addict who comes on board with us. Uh, been doing this for about 30 years, uh, over 8,000 people now, 1,000 patients we've had. And our success rate is almost 100% of what we do. Um, we're very serious, but it's fun when we do it, obviously. And yeah, I live in San Antonio, my wife, three English bulldogs. Um, and we just, we're living the dream, man. I truly believe that from homelessness to where I, I am today is just almost impossible, but it's not, it is possible if you do the right thing. And we've also believed that any alcoholic or alcoholism or drug addicted mind is that a genius mind. We're born with a genius mind. Alcoholism is passed down. It's predisposition. So it's passed down from generation to generation. We're allergic to the ethanol in alcohol. And the other uh, is drug addictions. So alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. Addicts have the addictive personality, hence why 95% of housewives come to us with a heroin addict that started in the doctor's office. So that's me really just happy and joyous and free and just living life to the full. You know, I'm 62 years old and when I got to 60, I decided that I don't care anymore. People think of me, I don't care how I dress and dress very conservatively today. Usually pink t-shirts, red hat and gray, green freaking sneakers. It's like, I live life. I, I really do. And I believe in recovery and I believe that everybody deserves it. It's so true. Like you, you can't, you can't have that ego, but you can also not give a shit what others think either at the end of the day, because you have to do this for you. You have to be that selfish, be selfish for yourself though, because in order to recover, you have to do it for you and you only. Of course. Otherwise it's not going to work, but yeah, you, you, you've got to stop caring what other people think. If you have any haters out there, I think I have two out of the millions and millions of people that I've uh, met. Uh, when they start paying my mortgage, I'll start listening to them. Until then, guys, you have that strong head. You know what you're capable of. Everybody has a niche in life that they're good at. And if you're suffering from addiction, alcoholism, depression, or bipolar, that's why you're going through it. And, and I know some people go, that's why you're going through it. Believe me. 
because our great, our, our, our terrible past becomes our greatest asset going forward. So learn from it, experience it. When I was homeless for 14 months, I hated everybody and anything and any God and lost my kids, houses, wives, everything. Sorry, wife, not wives. I thought it's the worst time in my life. Last couple of years, I've really been really concentrating on families and helping them. The, the homelessness becomes like a semester at Harvard. The education from that period of my life, then going back to the age of nine, when I first started drinking, it becomes an education that you can use going forward. I think that's the more important thing because my journey, when I got sober and clean, my journey wasn't about me all of a sudden. Before that it was, it was about how many people can you help? How many people have you helped to better their lives? How many people have you saved? It's just, it, it becomes like almost a race to me. So I'm 62 now, by the time I get to, I don't know, I was 70, 75, I'm hoping to have about 20,000 people under my belt that I've personally helped. That's amazing that you've been able to help that many people, Rob. In your work, you emphasize treating the causes of addiction rather than just addressing the symptoms. Could you share an example or two how this approach has led to mean, meaningful transformations? in people's lives and what key factors contribute to its success. Well, one of the reasons that treatment centers, and we have some great treatment centers, guys, 90% of them really are money-making machines, is everybody wants to concentrate on the alcohol and drugs. Alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism and the same with drug addiction. It's not the problem. It's the symptom, the alcohol. So what goes on inside is 99% of our problem. It starts at birth, our environments, ailments, what we're told, if we're born into an alcoholic family, if we take drugs and have the addictive personality. So I never had a drinking problem. I had a thinking problem. So we've studied the mind and the brain intensely over the last 15, 16 years. And what we find out is that the mind sits inside the brain. It's two entities, mind is power, energy. Can't touch it, feel it, see it. The brain is matter. It's a muscle and you've got to separate the both. So the subconscious is a conscious brain. There's two kinds of, this is the conscious, this is the subconscious. This is where all the bad stuff happens. So there's three parts of the brain that differ in alcoholics and anybody else in the world, any other addiction. That's the hypothalamus, basal ganglia, and the amygdala. We're born differently. And what happens, for instance, and this is why it's a disease or one of the reasons. And this is why when someone says, can't you just stop being your kid? You can't stop. Now there's a fine line between alcoholism and abusing alcohol or heavy drinkers. Everybody wants to, oh yeah, he drinks every day. He's an alcoholic. Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. I don't care how many DWIs you've got. It doesn't make you an alcoholic. Warning from doctors. Uh -uh -uh. If you can't trace alcoholism back three generations, you're abusing alcohol. You can't drink yourself into becoming an alcoholic. It doesn't work that way. You can drink yourself into becoming abusing alcohol. But yeah, the hypothalamus, for instance, which tells us from birth, it's a kind of or it's a kind of a survival thing. So it tells us to eat food, drink water to survive. Okay. That's why you see babies with their hands down the mouth or crying because the tummy hurts because they're hungry. They know they need to eat. During when an alcoholic was born, takes the first drink at the age of nine for me and goes through life as it gets worse and worse. It's a progressive illness. And then what happens is very interesting, guys, is that hypothalamus at some point of the drinking career 
turns around to the alcoholic and instead of screaming at it to drink water, eat food to survive, it now changes its mind and tells us to drink alcohol only. And the evidence to pack this up is, is huge, but also you alcoholics, if you're listening, you know yourself, we can go days or weeks without food or water because all we need is that alcohol that we're laser focused on. And I, I went and drinking and thinking where my next drink's coming from. So when parts of the brain are telling you to drink alcohol and the amygdala, which is our smoke alarm, is, is, is throwing all sorts of charge of trauma at you that's not been resolved, then the basal ganglia is picking that up. It's our repetition, strength, and confirms part of the mind. Then we're done. The uh, basal ganglia differs in the alcoholic and the addict. This is where the other joins in. Because when you start off, let's say everything's good, get the job back, get the guy, and everything's amazing, and bang. Around 10 to the hour, we self-sabotage. And not one person can tell you why we did that. Alcoholics cannot tell you. Drug cannot tell you because it becomes a self-sabotaging circle of life. And, if you, and, that, and, that, and that circle, like a clock, that can be a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years. But similarly, if you don't treat the basal ganglia with that uh, default self-sabotage, you will always relapse. And, and these are the things that normal people and even people who's been in the industry for years, don't know. If we did just stop drinking, Chris, everything will be okay. The only, that's a great plan, but the only problem is that's that... only part of the problem. percent. <laughs> it's like, when I stop drinking, I'm still me. I'm still messed up with my head and my thinking, my self-sabotage, my suicidal thoughts, my childhood trauma that's driving me and my central nervous system to go out and behave the way I do. And this, when I was on the streets, Chris, this was my turning point. Psychologically, I didn't get off the streets and or clean up, but this is what happened one morning. I'm waiting outside a liquor store, which is also a news agent in the morning back in England. It's, I don't know, it's 5.45 in the morning. It's snowing. I'm dressed in a string vest, pair of shorts and flip-flops, and I am sweating profusely. I'm shaking. I have a bad headache. I'm going to die. I feel like dying. And if I don't get alcohol or get to a hospital within the next hour or so, I might die. Because I'm going into delirium tremors. So the guy opens the door because he knows me. Not supposed to serve alcohol till 10. But he can see I'm in a mess. He gets in this morning. He's going in for years. Put my 10 pound on the counter. I can't even talk. I took my shaking hand back. He put the bottle on the counter. Vodka with the long milk. I gave him the money. He took it off the counter. And this is what happened. Shake, stop. Headache went. Great mood instantly. And I only had... My hand around the neck of the bottle, not even opened it. And he realized right there and then, it's not about the alcohol. So our studies, when I came up the streets, were intense because everybody wants to concentrate on the symptom. If I had chicken pots, you say to me, hey, I can see you've got chicken pots. How do you know? I can see the spots all over you. That's one of the symptoms of the viral infection. I have a viral infection that you can't see that can kill me as an adult. What you concentrate is the spots. If the spots would go, Surely you'll be okay. He's like, no, it's still a chicken pot, sponsor on little. I'm still sick and I could still die from this. But people don't see that and they don't see the alcohol and they don't see the drugs. They think we have a choice. We do not have a choice. If they're your kid, draw, don't do it. They took them off me at the age of one and three. The youngest one at one at 30 years on, I can still not see ever again. You don't do that by choice. It's so true. It's like you just said briefly there about alcohol is just part of the problem. You can quit the alcohol, but you're still the same person because you have to deal with all those things 
get to deal with your feelings, your thoughts now that you were just drowning for many years. For me, it was drugs. Uh, but the same thing as an alcoholic or an addict, we take away the drug or the alcohol. We still have the feelings. We still have those thoughts. You have to deal, process your traumas now. You have to do all that in order to get better. And you know what? I'm still working through things four years later. And it's a daily reprieve, just working through things every day. And that's okay. As long as you're making progress too. Is a himself, is good treatment himself. The answer, the answer is I don't care. Because the answer is it whatever against you clean yourself. But we have done studies on energy of the mind and a connection with some kind of higher power, some spiritual spirit or higher power. So one of the interesting things we found about five years ago is AA is amazing. I don't go there anymore myself, but it's amazing. It's where I first started going. Uh, they call that a psychic change and a spiritual awakening, which I was intrigued at. So we did research around that. When a change of neural pathways, which is a rewire of the circuitry in the brain, that's what we do. And so we kind of the spiritual relationship, your DNA changes. End of story, which means that you're not the same person when you came to us as when you leave us. Because when the DNA change happens, the circuitry in the brain is set. The actual fact, the circuitry in the brain was once thought to be a slight wired until about 10 years ago. With us, it was 15 years ago. We knew that we could rewire brains. Repetition, strength, and controls. If you get up in the morning, didn't you start and did the same thing you had every day, then you're not going to grow. You have to step out of comfort zone. The same with the alcohol and drugs will come in sooner or later. Because I have a, a mind that wants to kill me and make you look like an accident. And I can control my brain. I can control, if I control my brain and the chemicals that are released in the brain and what kind of life I can have, are unbelievable. The underwater dreams. Another experiment we did is I gave someone, brought me in the office, I gave them a thousand dollars out of the blue. Oh, instantly happy. Oh my God. Oh, I'm going to solve all the problems. Blah, blah, blah. I said, so it's, we've struck it down. Okay. Was it the thousand? Yeah. No, it was, wasn't the truth. What it was is when I give you that money, you release the chemical in the brain, not dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, or endorphins, not that. You release the chemical, an unknown chemical within the brain instantly took you to this place of happiness and bliss. So if that being said, can I control that chemical myself? The answer is a hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So you wear these bureaus go visualize where you are, visualize where you want to go to. That doesn't work. It's like millions of people keep going to these conferences and they come out and the life's not changed. They spend five grand and the life's not changed. Keep going back and life's not changed. Why do you realize it doesn't work? It's not only a visualization, you have to attach the feeling with that. Because if you don't attach the feeling, the deep chemical feeling it gives you when you get there, then you're not going to associate with that end result. So what we do is now when we're working with somebody and, and we're building their business, we take them to the Porsche, Mercedes dealerships, and we sit them in the car and we test drive that car, their dream car. Now, a couple of things happen. They've experienced it, chemicals around that experience, gave feelings, which gave be, uh, behavioral, which acts you. So what happens in a month, a year time when they can afford that car, this is very important, guys. I thought they go back to, it, to, to the carts, and what happens is when they sit in the car, the brain goes, oh, I recognize this place. This is amazing. Yeah, you deserve this instead of, oh, I don't know. It's too expensive. I don't really, you've got to put the chemical action feeling along with the visualization that you're going to be sat there one day and then you work towards that goal.
Well, when they sit in that car, they've taken yeah. mental ownership for it. Yeah, it becomes real. The subconscious and the conscious brain overlap. So what mm -hmm. happens with human beings that suffer from childhood trauma, which is the gateway drop to all this shit that's going on, then we can conquer that along with other things, but we can't visualize and visualize the feeling of sucking that car because of stuff that was said to us in our past. How many times have I told you this was me? How many times have I told you, Robert, you can't go to college like your brother, you're too stupid. That's what mom said to me. That devastated my life, devastated my life and thousands of other things that I've said. So if somebody says to you guys, oh, look at him, she's a stupid. He means that. Wrapped up in a laugh or a joke. No, that's his core belief. Don't take that shit off anyway. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Surround yourself. If you surround yourself with nine depressed people, you will become better. If you surround yourself with nine successful people, you will become successful. It's the mirroring part of the brain. Ever hung around a friend and started using their saying? Well, they have a catchphrase and you start using it. It's like monkey see, monkey do. That's what we do. So everybody can change. Everybody can be successful, whatever that is. Because if you think money's going to make you happy, then forget. I've been poor and I've been rich and I've been poor and I've been rich. And let me tell you, I choose rich every time. Don't get me wrong. But money doesn't make you happy. All money does is you eat a little better and you buy more space. It's not happiness. It really isn't. No, happiness, like you said, is not all about the money. I'm sure I do well in the, the career I'm in now since getting clean and sober, but that money isn't buying me happiness. Happiness comes from within. Happiness is my family that I have with me now, back in my life, the people that I want back in my life. That's happiness to me. Being able to, you know, go on that vacation. That's just, that's an added bonus because I can afford that now, those types of things, but that's not even happiness. Happiness no. is just having my unit with me at all times, being there for my unit. That's what me and my wife like to call it. That's our unit. Yeah. We have to be there for our unit. Our unit comes first before anything else, before our parents, before our brothers and sisters, our unit that comes first. I love that. Thank you for saying that. That's happiness. So I want to put into what I'm going to say, uh, just to make sure we give $150,000 back to the society, community around us. We pay back 25% uh, of our earnings to one parent families looking to get the kids back. They're going to court to get weekend kid or whatever it is. We spend a lot of money. So between them both, we, we probably spend, I don't know, half a million dollars giving back of our own cash by all said and done. Okay. So I want to put that out there because uh, I came from the streets and I came from the trailer box. I earn approximately $150,000 a month, a month. Okay. So you're thinking, wow, does it that? Guys, I'm telling you, it can be rather lonely places. So. Having not seen my daughters for 30 years, I get a call or Sonia, a message on Facebook about four years ago. And it was my daughter that I'd not seen for 30 years. And she called me dad. Hey dad, I've seen you on TV in England. I want you to come over. I've got something to show you. And we saw for an hour and three o'clock in the morning and we flew over there and I was so nervous, Chris, because I've not seen her for so long. I wasn't there for the first bike ride. I wasn't there for her first boyfriend. All this stuff started to hit me. She opened the door unexpectedly. We hadn't knocked yet. And we laughed and we cried and we called and did all the amazing stuff that that is and supposed to do years ago. But she walked me into her front room and she handed me my three month old granddaughter. No amount of money can buy that. No amount of money. That was the real deal. I, when I was, she wanted to go back to school. So we sent her back to school. 
And as of about two years ago, she became my lead therapist in my Manchester, UK office. That brings me happiness. When I see my grandchild growing up, four years old now, that gives me happiness. It's not the money. Now, when I was homeless, I would have done anything for money just to eat. But today, if you do everything right, the position that I went through is the same for everybody out there. And if you keep working with God's kids and you keep doing the right thing, everything that you messed up in your life will come around again and it'll be beautiful. That's amazing. Just to have everything come full circle from not seeing your daughter for 30 years. When she has something to show you or come over, I got something to show you in the hands of your granddaughter. That must have brought you joy. Like you said, happiness, probably a mixed bag of emotions, you know, <laughs> but like you said, money can't buy what, what you just were presented there at all. That does money doesn't buy happiness at that point. That's priceless. Exactly. And this is the stuff we chase, the priceless stuff. Priceless stuff you can't buy. And the other exactly. thing is, like I was telling everybody is, I want to start my own business and I want to earn money and look after my family. Brilliant. But let's forget about the end result round is constant the journey. If you are focused on the money and focused on the end result, you're missing that journey. It's the journey that's the most intoxicating. We did test with, I don't know how many, five, three, ten, I don't remember. I'm not very good on past memories of addicts that kept relapsing. And we asked them, we knew them very well. We loved them very well, but we asked them, Hey, let's, next time you want to relapse, can you call us first? We'll pick you up. We'll pay. We pay $50 and then we'll get to a place you want to be, drug dealer. You go in and do your deal. I don't know if you do with that and then we'll drive you back home. Deal. Everyone of them said, great. Everyone of them relapsed. Okay. Just like everyone knew they were, even they, they said, definitely relapse. The mindset of it. So when we studied the whole thing with that, the phone call to us, we thought was going to be the, the most toxicating, the best feeling. No, getting the drug and take, buying the drug. No, going home and taking the drug. No, the best intoxicating period, period of that whole thing, that whole journey was to travel to the drug dealer in the car. The, the anticipation of getting that fixed. And it's the same with life. And moms and dads, if you're listening, you'll really identify with this. How many times have you said, one minute and I was taking him to kindergarten. Next thing we're waving him off to college is what happened to that time? Did you really stop and appreciate that time? Because I have one message for everybody out there and it is this, you don't have time. Because if you don't start your life today, when you listen to this podcast, if you don't change your life to better yourself, 75 years is going to come along and you're going to be so miserable because you missed out on all the things that you could have done. So you don't ever think that you can't achieve anything you want. And people would always say to me when I said that, oh, I can't be president of the United States. Okay, put your political views aside for a second. We had a business around the country. Don't dare tell me that you can't achieve anything you want to achieve. It's all about the planning and the belief that you can do it. Listen, everybody's born with a million dollar mind. Why are you hanging around 10 cent miles? Why are you sat there full of fear about moving, making that, uh, move to your own business, that job, marrying that girl, buying that car. Babies are born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. The rest are man-made. Then really, doesn't really exist. Wait till your father gets home. Oh, if I did this and fail, everyone's going to laugh at me. Nobody cares. I thought everybody cared the way I look. What I did. Nobody cares, guys. When you walk into a room and people look around, they're not looking at you. It's the fact that somebody disturbed what they were doing. Nobody cares what you do, what you dress, what, nobody cares. So forget that fear 
that whatever I do, the spotlight's in. There's no spotlight on you. The only spotlight that's on you is you and the spotlight on you. Stop caring what people think. Start every day and improve. There's bunches of things you can do today to move forward in your life. And you'll see the progression on a daily and weekly basis. But if you do the same today as you did yesterday, even going to work the same way, then you're going to repeat the mundane life that you have. I love that you say that because my wife says that to me, has said that to me in the past. We'll be at a restaurant, whether we get in a little argument or whatever. And uh, I'm notorious for looking around, giving a shit what everyone thinks. And she's like, Chris, no one gives a shit what I'm saying to you. Even if I'm ripping you a new one for something stupid you said, no one gives a shit. So stop looking around. They don't care what, and I'll be looking around more embarrassed, but we don't say this or whatever. She said, no one gives a shit yeah. what I'm saying to you. No one's listening to us. <laughs> I'm, I'm something we just did. We tried and tested that. It sounds crazy. Everything we talk about today, especially in neuroscience and the behavior, we tried and tested. We're not just, oh, we saw this on the internet. No, we, we want to know if that's true. So we sent our guy into a restaurant with a nice brown hat and, and a blue suit. And so we stood out and he walked in with his wife and, and sat down and they were speaking a little bit loud, then went quiet and acted normally. And I went around to tables and go, hey, do you know the guy that walked in in a brown suit? Go, uh, no, there's loads of people here. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. And with a mindset like that, because the mind is where it all starts. You ever heard the saying, I made my mind up to do something? That's where it starts. So the chemicals released from the mind is telling us to do something good or bad, chemical related to that. So you can do this on your own. Find a way to release that chemical. We work with people all the time and so tell them it's a secret. Can't tell you unless you come on board, obviously. But yeah, nobody cares. Release that. Go for your dream. If you fail, JK Rowling, 23 times got turned out. The Beatles, they were told they'll never make a record in their life. Don't care what people think. It's an opinion. You know what I say about opinions? They're like assholes. Everybody's got one and no one gives a shit. It's their opinion. Just because you're offended doesn't make it offensive. So don't worry about people to think. Have a plan in your mind. Get up in the morning and work towards that plan. You have a unit. I love that, Chris. Unit around you. And if you don't, start getting them people around you. Find out who you need to seek out and have lunch with in your area that's successful. And hang around them guys. Start talking, walking, feeling, believing them that you are the most important person that's going to change the world. Because if you're not changing the world, guys, what the hell are you doing? If you're an alcoholic and addict that has got sober and not changing the world, go drink. Because uh, you, you don't do it. I go AA every day. You're not available, emotionally available for your family. You're never there. You're out between seven and nine every night, just like you were drinking. Start helping people. Start smiling more. Start do your oxygen work, do your mirror work, do all this stuff in the morning that sets you up for a great day. Otherwise, I don't know, man, I've just wasted, a wasted life. And people, listen, you've got to understand, guys, if, you, if you've not seen or heard of me before, you've got to understand, again, I don't give a shit whether you get well or not, but if you want to get well, there's a way out of it. And I don't care what you say. If you disagree with me, go do your science for work and find out that I'm correct and right. And the second thing is, I don't care what you think of me, but if you do your research, you'll find out that I'm the guy on national TV that went head to head with Purdue's lawyer, head to head, the very next day they filed for bankruptcy. I'm going to all the other things. I don't care anymore. All I'm doing is bashing the Trump out for our trials, tests, and research that we've done over 30 years, getting people 
the gateway drug is childhood trauma. All right. That's the gateway drug. You got to remember that. You don't play your child up. He'll come and clear you up. And he clears you up in all crazy ways. I get so this all true. the time with, with women. It's, they finish in this toxic relationship. Then they find a boyfriend, they marry him, then that breaks up. Why does he break up? If you are with somebody that cuts you deeply, but you don't heal that wound with your own work, you're going to bleed all over the next person that comes into your life. It's not his fault. And that's what relationships go through. Do your trauma work. Do the trauma work first, and then everything else will turn out. So true. Working in and I'm working through my childhood trauma still, and it's great to dig deep now and, and just dig deep into the, the whys and what happened and where it all stemmed from and started thing. And, and it's amazing to see things slowly come together. It doesn't come together over time. It's taken years and it's okay. It doesn't matter as long as you're doing the work and trying to get better and, and putting that work in and trying that that's what counts. I, I find too. Your extensive experience includes lecturing at universities, treatment facilities, and public schools. What do you believe in is the most important message or insight that young adults, students need to hear about addiction and mental health to better prepare them for life's challenges, Rob? Find out if addiction is in the family. Okay. Parents have the conversation. Number one, guys. Number one. Number one. Find out what you're dealing with. Because parents won't tell you sometimes. Nobody told me. If you have a conversation, parents, ages eight, nine, 10, start having a conversation, then knowledge is always best, guys. Once you know what you're dealing with, you can treat it. So true. It's find out. And, and I'm glad I started to find these things out way back. I, I knew my mom's brother and he's been 40 years sober now and those types of things. And then on my dad's side as well, his father and, and his brother, those, and then myself as well, it just. And there's other people in my family, and I truly wholeheartedly believe it's hereditary. 100%. <laughs> and, but it doesn't, but now I'm seeing the generational things as well. And, and I have to break those generational curses, whatever you want to call them, and be the next person in my family to make these changes. Cause no one's going to make those changes for you. I remember having conversations and stuff and they're like, Chris, this is the way we were brought up people that are about your age are a little older and we're taught to not talk about things and this and that that's not me anymore i want to have those tough conversations you have to have those tough conversations those uncomfortable conversations to be able to grow as a human being and as a whole unit as well if you can't have those tough conversations you're not going to grow end of story <laughs> that's it and the best thing you can do is have them conversations and Get that knowledge and belief out there. Every single mind can change. Unless you have brain damage. Uh, every single life can change. It's just knowing somebody who knows that and believing that you can and you will. Forget the conversations of other people outside your unit. I mean, use that forever now, Chris. And, and that way your unit is and, and start that loving relationship and understand that addiction is not the be all and end all. If you don't drink, or, drink or, or, or use drugs, that's fine. It's not alien anymore, especially with the new generation. They're all health fit and ready to go. But yeah, find out, take chances and knowledge and education around any parents, well, especially moms, uh, a measurement down to learned behavior, a measurement down to children. If you're depressed, you might want to trace that back and find out when mom was depressed or dad was depressed. And then your knowledge that depression is lineage in the family, but depression illnesses 
stuff like that. It's not the illness that's carried down. It's a deficiency in vitamins and food. Like you, I hear sometimes, right, I have arthritis in my knee. My mom had it. My grandfather had it. Arthritis cannot be passed down. He really can't. It's a deficiency. It's a deficiency in your diet. It's a deficiency of what you do on a daily basis. And the belief, if you believe that you're going to get arthritis, you can bet your sweet ass and you're going to get that arthritis. End of story. It's what the movie believes. The mind is very powerful. It can make you do anything, all sorts of things that it makes you believe. Once the body believes it's going to get sick because mom and dad have the same illness, you will get sick. So it, there's a book out there called Am I a Placebo? And he talks about Japan or China somewhere. Uh, a guy, a, a knee surgeon, offered 10 knee surgeries free of charge for everybody. The only catch was, A, you had to be chronic, that you couldn't hardly walk. But B, there was two people that wasn't going to get the operation, but they were told they was. What the doctors, the doctor didn't tell them, the surgeon, is they cut everybody open on the knee. And two operations they didn't do, they didn't replace the knee. But because the two placebos woke up and the knee had been cut, so here's, the, here's what happened from them 10 people. The two placebos walked pain-free for the rest of their lives. Four out of the rest of them started to well, continue problems because they believed they were placebo and the rest got well. But the two that didn't have the operation, the knee surgery, were valued in the knowledge that their mind told them that they were going to be pain-free and they were going to have a great. It's so powerful. And the other one I will always tell is there was a guy in, I think it was Germany, but he was, he used to work at the, the refrigerated trucks, the 18 wheelers. One of his jobs at night time was to go around and check all the trucks were empty. He went to a truck. He saw a box at the end of someone he'd missed. So he gets in and from some freak accident, the door slants and he can't get out. Now he knows that if you don't get out there within an hour or two, he's going to freeze to death. So he's banging on the door, banging on the door, screaming. They were marks on the door when they opened it. Next morning, we went to find him. Somebody said they've seen Billy. Oh my God. And they found him in this 18-wheeler and they opened the back doors and there he was, froze to death. The problem with that whole thing is it was 72 degrees in that trailer. But because he thought he was going to freeze to death, then so he did. Go research it, guys. That's how powerful the mind is. That's crazy. How the mind is a very powerful thing. It's like a drug itself almost. But you, if, if you I, think something... It's going to happen or think that the worst is going to happen. Think the best can happen as well, but you got to get outside of your mind and just do the right things and the right things will happen to you. If you're going to think wrong, like you said, you hang out with the 10 cent millionaires, you're going to become a 10 cent millionaire. <laughs> you hang out with the multi-millionaires, you're going to become one of those successful people, those types of things. And then it's so true. It's who you put yourself around. Who's who you're going to become. You're going to become sure. uh, a mask of what they are saying or emulate what they do. And, and it's not going to be good or it can be good. It's one side of the street or the other. Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? We don't know. Exactly. You know, look, this thing is Google Schrodinger's cab gas with the poison in the box. Is it, does it have the poison died or is it still alive? We don't know. How do we know? Open the freaking box and find out. Because at the moment you're in two minds. So you believe two truths or two wrongs or whatever it is while a cat's still in the box. And as he at the point, you don't know, you don't know. And you stay in that legal place for all your life. And so you get to a place where you do your work and you realize that you've taken the blinkers off and shit, you know, what's really going on in the blow. That's a bit of life. Your book, Rob, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking is a deeply personal account of your own journey through alcoholism. 
Can you share how your own experiences have shaped your approach to helping others overcome addiction and what you hope readers will take away from your story? It's a personal journey between me and the fight with the family and how I enhanced my mom's cancer and died because of my addiction and homelessness and stealing and arrest and all that bad stuff. It's a journey of meeting my, my daughter again. It's a journey of not seeing my youngest daughter ever. It's the battle in the mind every day. It's funny. It's sad. It's amazing. It's horrible. It's a great, it's a great read. And, and I, I say that for two things. First of all, go out and buy the book. Okay. It's $9 every night, every cent, not the, oh, uh, the profit. No, not for everybody's taking their little pop. $9 goes out into the community. If you don't like the book, email me or text me and I will refund the money. End of story. So go out and buy it. It's a great book. Give it to somebody. If you want a signed copy, email me or come find me. I'm all over social media, Dr. Rob Kelly. And if you're listening, not watching, R-O-B-K-L-O-Y.com is the website. I'll sign you. I'll sign the copy and send you free charts. You can't get a better deal than that. It's a great book, personal. Now I'll tell you guys that some people will understand this and go, oh my goodness. I've never read the book. I, my wife wrote it with pieces of paper that I gave her and memories on a SIM card that I gave her voice. And she put it all together, God bless and Ken with book. All these years, I'm still too painful for me to read that book, but I'm sure everybody that's bought it and read it said it's amazing. So go buy it guys. Oh, when you people see it right now, you see it. Yeah. That's me and my daughter. So last time I saw her, okay. That was the last photograph we took. So when I got to meet her again. We'd, we finished the book, we didn't have a side to it. And I said, what should we call it? And my daughter said, what about the last thing you said to me? Or I said to you, I, what was that? She said, Danny, please stop drinking. So ball, there it is. That's awesome. That was a amazing recollection. Amazing. And, and I love it. It looks like it's in the writing of your daughter. I, I don't know if that's your yes. daughter's writing or not, Yes, but, but, it, yeah. but it does look like it. So that, that's awesome. How you can incorporate, you know, her into the book as well after meeting her again. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Everyone go check out Rob's book, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or where, might probably on his website and stuff like that. Before we go though, Rob, I have one last question though. As the CEO of the Rob Kelly Recovery Group, you've likely encountered a wide range of individuals seeking recovery. Could you describe a particularly inspiring or remarkable success story from your coaching company that illustrates the potential for positive change and what were the key factors that contributed to that success? We've worked with a lot of A-listers, CEOs, famous people, footballers, movie stars, but that, that's dark. There's so many. Yeah. I can get one that I can't make, oh, I can't mention it, but yeah, we picked a guy from LA jail, county jail, and in handcuffs and chains, and we brought him back to our place and we worked with him for three months. He'd been a, an actor before, but not, he got put down drugs, looking at 10 years inside before we took him into our care. And we kept telling him through the work that he will be the highest paid actor in the world. And then two days, three days a week before he was going to leave the ranch, go back home. He got, he got a big envelope through the mail. He opened the mail and there was one of the biggest blockbuster movies that ever was. And he became the, the, the highest paid actor in the world. I have an idea, but I can't say the name. <laughs> well, this guy was strong. He was a strong iron man. He was powerful. So yeah, he was a great guy. <laughs> There's your hint. And I know exactly who it is, but that's actually my wife's actually, that's one of the reasons she chose me. She loves a redemption story. If you get what I mean. <laughs>
But yeah, no, that that's amazing that you you have those success stories and you've worked with those types of people, Rob, because there's a good in everyone out there. And, and I truly wholeheartedly believe that everyone from that homeless guy that's on the street, when you're walking down the street, I love saying this though, but it's so true. You never know what that person is going through. Maybe that smile you give them can push them over to the right side of the street sort of thing, make their day because maybe they haven't seen someone smile or just say, hi, how are you doing in many years or many days or months or whatever the case is. Go out and do that random act of kindness today, someone. Yes. But I appreciate you coming on the show today, Rob. Dr. Rob Kelly, everyone. Amazing time. I, I had a great time just chatting with you, hearing your story, hearing your... uh you know, side of things, you know, your research, your studies and those types of things. And again, where can everyone find you, Rob, on social media? I do believe it's Dr. Rob Kelly everywhere. Yeah, it's Dr. Rob Kelly, two Bs, Lambergaz, R-O-B-B, Dr. Rob Kelly, uh, any search engine, uh, jump on the website, there's a bunch of stuff there, say hi, anything you want to do. But I do want to say something real quick, if I may, Chris. Not if a problem, guys, not a problem. If you're the guy or girl sat it on there and you're going through what, what we've been through, Chris and myself, and you're in that desolate place of loneliness, depression, and suicide ideations. If you're in that place, guys, right now, 214 is my personal cell phone. So here's the deal. Text me. I'll call you back. I'll give you a 15-minute pep talk. I will change your life upside down. And if he doesn't, I'll send you $100 for wasting your time. The premise to all that. Is I'd rather give you 15 minutes of my life than hear of your suicide next week. Thank you so much, man. That's amazing, man. When not many people come on here and share their personal number for the world to hear, because this goes out to everyone once it's uh, released and stuff like that. So thank you again, Rob. I appreciate you coming on the show today to share your journey and everything that you're all about. I, I truly am grateful for you coming on today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. Bye, guys.